Welcome to Healthy and Happy, a program sponsored by the Easter Maker Conference of Seventh-day Adventists and aired right here on NCUFM. It is your education and wellness station, and we have so much in store for you this week, so we invite you to stay tuned. I'm your host, Adis Jonas Murphy. Rejoice in this Thank you so very much for keeping it locked to NCUFM 91.1, 91.3, and of course 91.5 only on your FM dial. I am so delighted. I'm so privileged to welcome a friend of mine back to studio. Yes, yes, yes. We're going to be talking sinus issues today, sinusitis as we Jamaicans normally call it. Dr. Philip Brown, consultant, ENT, head and neck surgeon. He is in the house today. Dr. Brown, welcome to Healthy and Happy. How are you doing? Not bad. Thanks for having me today again. No problem at all. No, Doc, sinusitis, sinus issues, you know, post-nasal drip, runny nose here and there. All of these issues many Jamaicans face and it's pretty much a bother. Just the other day I heard a friend of mine saying, boy, I'm going to have to make some home remedies because my sinuses are just on me. You know, so many times we use the term loosely without actually knowing what it is. Can we put this into perspective as we talk about its definition? Let's talk a little bit about the the paranasal sinuses. What exactly are they and what are the core functions? The paranasal sinuses are air-filled spaces uh, that is located within the facial region. There are four pairs, are eight, and it's easy to remember. Two above the eyes, two between the eyes, two below the eyes, and two at the back of the eyes. Oh. And essentially what happens, they connect via pipes to your nose. Mm-hmm. And any issues with the nose, for example, can result in blockage of these pipes and Mm -hmm. sinus issues. But yeah, the function of the paranasal sinuses are numerous, but I'll just name the common few. Mm -hmm. So firstly, they help in lightening the weight of your face. If they weren't present, then it would be hard for you to hold your head up. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, Interesting. They're also important in humidification. Mm -hmm. They have some immune function in terms of Uh, filtration of Mm. the dust or particles as it goes through the nose. And also, another important thing is good for part of the voice resonance. Mm. When you're you're congested, Mm -hmm. your voice will sound funny. Mm -hmm. So we're fearfully and wonderfully made. I realized I didn't know about those two glands behind the eyes. I I figured the ones on top, um, above the eyes, below the eyes, because I feel those, you know, it gets puffy and And between the eyes and back of the eyes. Yeah, interesting there. Rhinosinusitis is what we call sinuses, right? Or sinusitis. But um, its correct term is rhinosinusitis. And then there is rhinitis. What's the distinction between the two? All right, so they do have uh, some similarities in terms of the symptomatology, but mm-hmm. in terms of the diagnosis, it's a bit different. So rhinitis is really inflammation of the lining of the nose. Mm-hmm. There are two major types, what we call allergic rhinitis or non-allergic. Most persons tend to have the non-allergic type. The allergic type is when you're exposed to something in the environment, mm-hmm. it triggers uh, certain symptoms such as itchy eyes, itchy nose, sneezing, runny nose or stuffy nose. Similarly with non-allergic rhinitis, there are certain things that will trigger your symptoms. For example, some person's temperature sensitive mm-hmm. or pressure sensitive, you know, change in pressures in the environment or when mm-hmm. exposed to certain chemicals. 
when we say rhinosinusitis, it means inflammation of not only the nose, but also the paranasal sinuses. And as I said before, they are connected via pipe. So when mm -hmm. you have any inflammation in the nose, it can extend to these pipes and you get the symptoms of sinusitis. So in terms of diagnosis, so the symptoms quite similar, but with sinusitis, you tend to get facial pressure symptoms. Mm. You get drainage, which can come through the front of the nose or the back of the nose, and it tends to be discolored. Mm. They may also have changes in terms of your sense of smell, uh, facial pain. Some persons may get head headaches. Mm -hmm. There are some rare symptoms also, such as halitosis mm. or you know, bad breath. Mm -hmm. And we use those symptoms along with what we call in clinical exam, so mm. when you come to see me as an ENT, I'll put a camera mm -hmm. inside the nose. I don't think I come in to see you. <laughs> Go ahead. It's very comfortable. <laughs> it's a very comfortable, tolerable examination. And it's basically to look at these connections to see if mm. there's any blockage there that mm -hmm. could result in your sinusal symptoms. And then also use what we call a CT or special x-rays of the sinuses to... Mm -hmm to collaborate to make the diagnosis of rhinosinusitis mm. and rhinitis. So yeah. unless you are clinically diagnosed, you ought not to refer to yourself as having um, rhinosinusitis. Yeah, so um, I think it's just a cultural thing in Jamaica. So, <laughs> you know, they have nasal symptoms. We say it's sinus no, issues. Sense. But, mm. you know, when you come to the office, we try to make a distinction mm. between both. All right, so I'm going to throw this one at you, Doc. What is the cause? Because I'd love to meet the cause of this. Um, I know there are theories out there as to, you know, what, what causes rhinosinusitis, but I, I, re I really would love to hear. <laughs> you know, yeah, so there, there, there are several theories, so there's no set um, cause. So there are theories, and it's thought to be due to a number of what, two major groups, host mm -hmm. or things that are inherent in you and environmental. Some of the things that we, the theories that are posited, you may have, certain type of uh, infectious agents, such as certain fungi, mm -hmm. certain bacteria that's present that is causing the continuous inflammation with the sinuses. One of the theories that there may be defects in the whole immune system mm. as to why certain persons may get um, sinusitis. For example, the lining of the nose, which, has, which acts like a mechanical barrier to external um, microbes or allergens is, is not working as well, so you are mm. continuously exposed. And environmental, certain persons with certain conditions, so persons with a certain allergies or the constant allergies, for example, may be predisposed to this mm. sort of thing. And there's also there's a genetic component. There's something genetically where you are predisposed to developing symptoms. Interesting. How common is this? thing called sinusitis, rhinosinusitis. We don't have any local figures, but anecdotally probably about a quarter of the population may have mm. symptoms of rhinosinusitis interplay with symptoms of rhinitis. Mm. Um, so it, it's a pretty common condition. As you spoke about genetics and the role they play in all of that, I don't remember as a child, I don't remember having symptoms of rhinosinusitis. It's as I got older that I started to have the post-nasal drip and stuff. So it, it's quite possible then to not exhibit signs at one point in your life, but at another point um, start to display, right? In terms of? Displaying symptoms. Yeah, so the symptoms vary. So in children, they may not get the classic adult symptoms. In mm -hmm. children, they tend to get like chronic cough, um, they may have the sneezing, but mm -hmm. they are the ones who may develop uh, snoring issues. So the symptom symptomatology varies mm -hmm. 
between adults and the pediatric. So you may have had symptoms, but as I said, a lot of persons have underlying rhinitis symptoms right. and not necessarily rhinosinusitis. All right. Now, um, I am aware that rhinosinusitis may be classified as acute mm-hmm. and also chronic. What's the distinction between both? Yes, yeah, so the distinction between both is really a temporal or time-based. So acute rhinosinusitis usually symptoms less than four weeks. And mm-hmm. when the symptoms persist beyond 12 weeks, we say we classify as being chronic rhinosinusitis. All right, so what if the symptoms don't persist continually after four weeks, but they... Recurrent. Rec- so re- there's yeah. another category, recurrent acute. So these are persons who get the acute symptoms less Mm -hmm. than four weeks, but they get a break in Mm -hmm. between in which they are asymptomatic and then the symptoms recur. All right, so let's go into the signs and symptoms of uh, rhinosinusitis. Yes, so the signs and symptoms, um, as I said, nasal obstruction, congestion, uh, what we call nasal drainage or rhinorrhea, which can be through the front Mm -hmm. or or post-nasal drip. And unlike rhinitis, tends to be discolored, Mm -hmm. so yellow varied color to green. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have changes in smell, sense mm-hmm. of smell, so we call that hyposmia or anosmia. Uh, facial pressure symptoms is present, and some persons, uh, these are minor symptoms, as I say, can get halitosis, headaches, mm-hmm. um, related to nasal congestion. Mm-hmm. Those are the main symptoms that we use. But as I said, we not only use the clinical symptoms, we have to combine it either with endoscopic assessment in the office, mm-hmm. which is to examine the different the sinuses, the, the connections, mm-hmm. to see if there is any obstruction, or you may be asked to do what we call a CT scan to see if the sinuses are obstructed. Mm-hmm. So it's a combination of those. Interesting. If you're just tuning in, you have tuned in to Healthy and Happy. It's a program sponsored by the Easter Maker Conference of Seventh-day Adventists and aired right here on NCUFM, your education and wellness station. I'm having a discussion with Dr. Philip Brown. He is a consultant, ENT, head and neck surgeon, yes. And um, the topic, rhinosinusitis, or as we, you know, Jamaicans call it, sinus problems. <laughs> so we've looked at its definition. We looked at a distinction between rhinitis and rhinosinusitis. Slight distinctions, but still very common, I believe, to quite a bit of the population. Doc mentioned about a quarter of the population perhaps may be affected by rhinosinusitis. We looked at um, some theories posited, uh, you know, of causes, possible causes. And a while ago, not too long ago, we looked at some of the signs and symptoms. Now, let's get into this one, Doc. Uh, Home remedies. You know, a lot of people, especially those who are from the the, the country and all of folk, they're not into this modern-day medication kind of vibe. So they'd want to make their own home remedies. What home remedies can be taken to relieve sinus pain? All right. So when persons say they have sinus pain, Mm -hmm. In its truest definition, it means that the sinus is obstructed and there's pressure within the sinuses. Mm-hmm. It's, then it becomes inflamed and then you become, develop pain. Mm-hmm. So home remedies that have been utilized with some effect. So the whole aim of the home remedy is to relieve the obstruction. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we use is normal saline mm-hmm. or saline, which is it has... It, number of effects it, it's a mucolytic meaning it breaks down mucus right. so that will unplug or unblock any obstruction mm-hmm. it also has a, a soothing effect to the lining of the nose and also helps in what we call the mucociliary or the hair to, to, to waft away the infection mm-hmm. there's a treatment called honey mm-hmm. 
so that is used for certain types of chronic rhinocitis and it's thought that you know this may improve again the the ventilation or the outflow of the sinusitis some persons have taken some over-the-counter medication. I don't, I'm not sure if that counts as whole remedies, <laughs> which are available. And these, again, are decongestion, basically to unblock mm-hmm. the sinuses. I've often heard of garlic, you know, it being a natural antibiotic. Does that work? So I've heard patients say, but as I said, you know, I haven't seen any strong evidence to support it as highly effective, but I've heard patients have utilized it. Mm-hmm. So I know we just spoke about home remedies, but how effective are are non-prescription uh, nose drops or sprays. Yes, yeah, so the non-prescription nose drops or sprays, yeah, as I said, the main aim is to decongest mm-hmm. the nose so they improve your symptoms of nasal blockage. And if the, the connections or pipes with the paranasal sinuses are congested, it will tend to unblock it. But the thing in the truest sense, they only are effective for up to five days. Mm-hmm. Thereafter, they start to do the opposite. Mm-hmm. So they actually start to cause you to become more congested Mm -hmm. and develop more problems. So when these are actually to be utilized, they actually should be utilized for a really short-term basis. Mm -hmm. And in fact, it's one of the causes of another type of rhinitis called rhinitis medicamentosa, Mm -hmm. in which they take the nasal sprays and it causes nasal congestion. Hmm. Well, um, so much here I'm learning from Dr. Brown. So... Let's say a physician, yeah, he wants to determine the best treatment for acute or chronic sinusitis. How does he go about doing that? Um, well, there are well, there are international bodies who have who have done uh, extensive research and actually mm-hmm. provide guidelines. So, the the in terms of the treatment protocols is usually a combination of medical or surgical. Mm-hmm. And that, again, is determined based on the patient classification and severity of symptoms. Mm-hmm. What are some other diagnostic procedures that, that might be taken? When we make a diagnosis, it's not only based on clinical. So mm-hmm. we can do in-office, so-called in-office endoscopy, where we look inside the nose, mm-hmm. and examine the nose, and also what we call a CT scan, a special x-ray of the sinuses to see what is going on. Mm-hmm. So those are the main diagnostic tests. In terms of personal responsibility that um, each individual who is affected by this disease, does it classify yeah, as a, a disease? Yeah, it's a disease, yes. <laughs> so each individual should take in relation to this. I mean, one, one I have heard, for example, is I should stay away from mucus causing or mucus forming things, you know, like dairy products and stuff. Sure. But doc, I tell you the truth, it is sometimes very difficult. Very challenging. Yes, yes, and yes. as I said, one of the theories is that you know there's a, a lot of patients have rhinitis, mm-hmm. which then progress or it can exacerbate your sinusal or sinusitis. Mm-hmm. So part of the, the treatment is to control if you have associated or concomitant rhinitis is mm-hmm. to control these with either medical therapy and what we call avoidance therapy. Mm-hmm. So persons will know <laughs> things that will mm-hmm. trigger them. Mm-hmm. And I, I try to tell the patient, well, you know, if you're going if you're gonna have a cheat day, at least be prepared with to your face medication. The no, well, not face the <laughs> but have your medications ready, you know, your antihistamine, your nasal sprays or mm-hmm. whatever is provided. Mm-hmm. All right, so lifestyle changes. So you're saying avoidance, um Yes. Avoidance, avoidance of certain foods. What yes, else? avoid so so for example with rhinitis, the the common things 
And these are just anecdotal based on personal experience, you know, food that we eat, dairy products, mm -hmm. certain persons, strong scents, so colognes, perfumes, you may have to avoid those. Pets, dogs, mm. cats. Wow, so dog. the animal dander may cause, it's a potent stimulant of, mm -hmm. of your rhinitis and this can then exacerbate your cyanonasal symptoms. Mm. Moles, which can be hidden anywhere, they are a potent stimulator. Mm -hmm. Similarly in their environment, so burnt smoke, dust environment, these can exacerbate your rhinitis symptoms and then secondarily cause you to have cyanonasal symptoms. So as I tell the patient when you're in the office, even though we give you medications, 90% of the work is actually you in terms of doing this avoidance therapy to try to reduce your environmental exposure. Mm -hmm. Or if you cannot, you try to control your exposure. Mm -hmm. At what point does surgery become necessary? Sinus surgery. All right, so sinus surgery. So the medical term is functional mm -hmm. endoscopic sinus surgery. Functional endoscopic, endoscopic sinus, sinus surgery. surgery. So what that means is that we operate, we don't do any cutting Mm -hmm. externally we, we operate through the nose mm. with a camera okay um so the 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 indications commonly is for certain um for patients who we have started medical treatment so mm -hmm. from all cases or most cases of sinusitis mm -hmm. we give them medical therapy mm. for at least up to 12 weeks and if it's not if you're still symptomatic or you're still having issues or it's affecting your lifestyle mm -hmm. then we will offer you sinus surgery. And mm -hmm. the aim of sinus surgery is to unblock these drainage pathways or drainage pipes to, mm -hmm. to allow the, set, the sinuses to be ventilated and also facilitates getting the medication mm -hmm. into the sinuses. There are certain types of sinu chronic sinusitis, so mm -hmm. certain persons may get what we call nasal polyps, which are swellings of the lining of the nose, and these basically block the sinusal cavity and the sinuses, and sometimes have to do surgery to remove these. Mm -hmm. There's another indication that surgery is done. So sometimes sinusitis itself, acute, the mm -hmm. infection can spread outside of the sinuses, mm -hmm. causes serious infection. So the, the sinuses are related to important structures mm -hmm. too, the eyes or the bone. And sometimes infection can spread to these areas. If that occurs, then we have to undertake sinus surgery as an emergency to drain mm -hmm. to, to address these issues. What's the success rate of these surgeries, though? I mean, um, because since it's not really surgery in the truest sense, in that cutting is involved, but it's surgery just... Surgery don't have to be cutting, by the way. Just oh, <laughs> sorry. You know, yeah, I am so happy I'm surrounded by medical minds. Since this kind of surgery involves unblocking the connections, um, mm. does it last? Like, is, is the permanence great? or you find a recurrence yeah, of so it can recur in mm. up to 20% of uh, patients mm. and again it that's why it's a continuous uh, partnership between you and the patients we'll unblock the connections for you but you need to constantly take the medications mm -hmm. to ensure that this area doesn't become blocked again so it's a continuous thing but we do will have some set of patients for some other reasons mm -hmm. who may be develop uh, what we call recurrence mm -hmm. and may need either repeat surgery or 
uh, lifelong uh, mm. medication. You know, there are some individuals who may be listening who um, some of them just afraid of the doctor. Them don't want to go to the doctor. Worse, like, hey, doc, you talk about camera push, you know, up them nose and stuff. Them not come to you right now, but <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. But but seriously, though, what are the consequences of, of not treating sinus infections? All right, so... The, the the main thing with sinus infection it can impact your lifestyle. Mm. So certain persons can it can develop sleep apnea and its associated complications. Mm-hmm. Certain pe- there's loss of work time because your sinus nasal symptoms you cannot function. Um, and also f- if you have loss of work time you can have loss of income. Mm. Um, one of the more serious ones, though, if you have in the acute infection, mm. especially due to, say, a bacteria, it can spread beyond the sinuses to the brain and to the eyes or elsewhere in the body. And, you know, it can be fatal, although rare it can be fatal. So, Sorry, you said spread to the brain? That's what you said? Yes. Yes, because your sinuses are related to the, to the brain. And the eyes. Oh wow! I mean, I I, I heard so I heard this, when they said eyes as I said, and bone, but no, you're saying brain and I'm yes, like, brain and eyes. So I need to come and see. I that. mean, these are rare. As I said, these are not common yes. conditions, but in the acute infection, mm-hmm. infective cases, it can result in um, spread to the brain mm-hmm. or to the eyes or even um, elsewhere, mm-hmm. and. Um, it, that is dealt with as an emergency. Mm-hmm. All right, Doc. So I want you now to speak directly to those sufferers of rhinosinusitis and um, encourage them to seek treatment. So here's your personal appeal to them. Go ahead. All right. So rhinosinusitis, uh, whether acute or chronic, uh, can be effectively treated. Um, it, it requires a partnership between you and the physician. Um, I know a lot of persons said, oh, I just have a stuffy nose, I can function, I can ignore it. Mm-hmm. But if left untreated, it can result in affecting your quality of life. The expertise is here to address mm-hmm. all the issues. And I said, a lot of patients labeling themselves as rhinosinusitis really have right. rhinitis. And as I said, part of my consultation mm-hmm. um, is education about your condition. Because mm-hmm. and then you can be effectively um, manage it. Mm-hmm. Doc, you know something just crossed my mind a while ago. Um, sure. Among the signs and symptoms of sinusitis, I've I've heard folk complain about ear aches, or also um, you know pain in their teeth, or even um, well you had mentioned halitosis and sure. so on, but fatigue. So sometimes their symptoms may resemble onset of flu-like symptoms. Yeah. Have you found that that has been um, the case yeah, so for some of your patients? So acute rhinosinusitis, some persons may have symptoms less than 7 to 10 days. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes that's due to some acute viral illnesses and mm-hmm. part of the symptomatology of that. Mm-hmm. So some of the common viruses are rhinovirus, mm-hmm. influenza, and even some types of corona, not the current one that we have now. <laughs> right. And you, give, you get this flu-like illness, mm-hmm. which is usually self-limiting, and you mm. can get fatigue as a part of the symptoms. One thing I should mention, there are some red flag symptoms mm-hmm. that persons label as sinusitis. So if you're having unil- what we call one-sided nasal symptoms, mm. nasal obstruction, especially associated with bleeding, loss of smell, or even numbness in the face, or 
loosening of the teeth or mm. dental pain um, or even with associated or ear symptoms, mm. sometimes that can be the, the sign of something um, more s- serious. Mm-hmm. So when you're having one-sided symptoms, mm-hmm. you should have that evaluated just to make sure there's nothing sinister that's ongoing. Mm-hmm. Do these infections, sinus infections, go away on their own perhaps? Let's say mm-hmm. that I decide not to go to the doctor. I'm having some symptoms. But I decide sure. not to go. Um, should, should I just kind of wait it out? So most will settle on their own. Mm-hmm. The concern is when, you know, any time you have a viral infection, bacteria follows. So when the bacteria comes in, you know, you're getting an acute bacterial, mm-hmm. what we call acute bacterial rhinosinusitis, that needs to be medically treated with antibiotics and some a little more aggressively. Mm-hmm. So most will be self-limiting. But mm-hmm. if you're having high fevers, yellow purulent drainage, not feeling too well, you should get it evaluated just to make sure. Mm-hmm. Well, Dr. Philip Brown, I want to thank you so very much for um, taking time out of your schedule to be with us here on Healthy and Happy, talking to us a little bit. I mean, we haven't even scratched the surface, I believe, with um, rhinosinusitis. But the good thing is that Dr. Brown is always willing to be here, (laughs) you know, when we call on him, of course. So we want to say thank you very much, uh, Doc, for sharing with us. Uh, Yeah. Rhinosinusitis, what we Jamaicans call sinusitis or sinus uh, pain or pressure or, you know, however we describe it. But I think what's just so absolutely critical from what you said, Doc, apart from providing the explanations and the, the theory, the background, etc., it's critical for us to play our part in ensuring that we prevent the onset of this disease as best as possible. There are some things we can do to control. Some of them are environmental, yes, but uh, 90% of the work, as you said, Doc, depends on the actual patient. patient. It is a partnership in trying to deal with this disease. Mm -hmm. Thank you so very much, Dr. Brown. And of course, we will continue our dialogue another time. Listeners, we want to thank you so very much for keeping it locked to NCUFM 91.13 and 5 only on your FM dial. We continue to be your education and wellness station. And next week, you can't afford to miss next week. We're going to be focusing on another interesting uh, topic with another medical mind. And so on behalf of our hard-working production team or engineer in studio, Elder Errol Vaz, and of course, Dr. Brown, everyone here. We want to say thank you for keeping it locked to healthy and happy. See you next week, same time. Maybe you'll be in a different place. But God bless you and have a wonderful week, of course, as you, sinus patients, seek to do your best in controlling this disease. God bless you.
my weakness. My weakness. You know just where I hurt the you most. Know just where I hurt the most. That's why. That's why. I call you healer. I call you healer. Hallelujah. Say you know. You know my weakness. My weakness. You know just where. You know just where I hurt.
hands lifted. Come on, let's make the declaration who the Lord is to us. It's so easy for us to spectate, but there's a wind of glory in this place. Come on, lift your voice to Jesus in this place. Come on, worshipers. Let's go beyond our comfort zone. Come on, let's lift your voices in this place today. Hallelujah. Make a declaration in the same.